0: Hi, Katie, it's great to be doing this um, podcast with you. Um, It's just amazing, isn't it, how much the world has changed unbelievably in the last few weeks to whole new ways of working, not just remote working for the majority of the people out there, but also how we're dealing with our cases in an era where there's so little access to the court. Um, Today, we're going to discuss the whole situation regarding virtual dispute resolution. Katie Raden is here with me. She's the founder and senior partner of um, Raden's. Her firm, she has offices in St Albans, Burke-Hampstead, Beaconsfield, Hampstead and Harpenden. Um, She started the business in 2005 and now has over 60 employees uh, dealing only uh, with family law. So a real success story. Uh, Well,
1: thank you, Suzanne, for... um Allowing me to join your uh, podcast, as most of you will already know, Suzanne is a very well-known family law practitioner, and it's also she's very well known in the field of ADR. Suzanne was one of the uh, first co-trainers in mediation, having done the training in two thousand and four. She then um, was one of the founding trainers for the collaborative movement, and then also set up the arbitration training in two thousand and eleven. At the time that Suzanne was becoming a a specialist in ADR, she was continuing with her private practice, having been a partner at Dawson's and then Withers. Suzanne is now at uh, Mills and Meads, continuing with her private law practice in all areas concerning children, finance and international aspects. And it's also finding time to deal with ADR. So thanks, Katie. What's the current situation regarding the courts? Um, well, at the moment, the courts are struggling with the, um, their technology um, and they're also struggling with the government guidelines. So initially, the courts um, were of the view that all court hearings should be uh, take place, certainly locally. And now the courts are now coming to grips with the issue of whether they should adjourn a court hearing or whether they should have it remotely Um, The the perception from my point of view is that London is slightly ahead of the um, local courts and that London's have been able to set up remote hearings more quickly, but the local courts are still struggling to work out what technology to use, how to use it and what would be appropriate time
0: to have a remote hearing at all. So we're all sort of getting used to remote working and it may also be an opportunity for... Um, virtual dispute resolution. Do you agree? Absolutely. And um, I
1: think the courts are now embracing it in a way that I don't think the local courts were embracing it quite so often. The phrase ADR, alternative dispute resolution, I I think was was more often to be called optional dispute resolution. Um, The courts preferred to do interesting family cases on a contested basis. And certainly from my point of view, Other firms of solicitors felt that ADR was the um, only really suitable for the high net worth um, cases um, involving London firms. And I think that if this crisis does anything positive, I think it's highlighting the benefits for ADR to everybody, um, whatever the case, um, and encouraging people to be more creative and imaginative about it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I personally have seen a really big rise in... number of inquiries in relation to arbitration. Um, I think perhaps because there are some cases which are going through the court and people are struggling to get court hearings and they're now thinking, well, we could divert and go into arbitration straight away for either a financial or a children case. And also some people are now thinking, we're not quite sure what the court system is going to be like in the next few months. So perhaps starting a case in relation to arbitration Obviously, there have been some fantastic changes as well, uh, particularly uh, the new children rules, which are um, coming out on the 6th of April. And those there will be the ability to apply in arbitration for relocation um, determinations. That's relocation to hay countries and certain jurisdictions. So that's a really positive extension of the... um, the rules, but obviously at the moment nobody's going anywhere. Uh, but they'll come into their own in due course.
1: Quite often, people are concerned about um, arbitration. Um, they are worried that um, the judges, the arbitrators, might not be as experienced as the judges, or whether the um, whether the clients get a fair hearing without a proper judge hearing it what what would you say given your experience of training arbitrators and being in contested hearings
0: what do you think about um, the concerns people raise about the quality of the arbitrators i think they're unfounded for a number of reasons first of all the, to get on to the arbitration training course, you have to be of at least 10 years' call and you have to have references produced to show that you're you know, um, respected in the legal community, often references by QCs or judges. There's then a two full-day training course as well as an exam undertaken, which is pretty rigorous in terms of the setting of the exam the fact that it's um, marked blind, there's internal moderation between the examiners and then uh, external moderation. So really, I think the quality of the arbitrators who train and become accredited is very, very high. And obviously, what's different is that you're able to choose your arbitrator. So you can look at the list at IFLA and decide who you think would be appropriate for your case, whether that be a financial or children's specialist. Uh, and some arbitrators are able to do both. So I think having an arbitrator throughout the case on, its, on on the journey, keeping with the same arbitrator is actually very, very positive.
1: And what do you think of the selection of arbitrators at the moment? Um, presumably in this at this time, um, there are more people available to do arbitration because they're not in court.
0: Absolutely. So I think we've seen a number of barristers' chambers, in particular, sending out flyers indicating that their barristers are available to do um, arbitrations. As and we'll come on to talk about private FDRs later. Um, so I think there's a vast array of people there. But you know, think carefully about who's appropriate to do your case, whether that be a solicitor, a barrister. That could be a junior or a QC or a retired judge, because you've got enough choice out in the market now, all of whom are keen to do this sort of work.
1: Excellent. Um, And
0: if you were trying to decide
1: between uh, the arbitrators, or if you weren't quite sure whether this was a case suitable for arbitration, um, what is the process in terms of um, speaking to an arbitrator? I think you mentioned to me before there was something called a pre-commitment call.
0: Yeah, I mean, I urge people to do that because I think it's important to get a feel for how the arbitrator may work. And my suggestion is always for both solicitors to do that together so that there's no question that the arbitrator is um, biased in any way. So agree to speak to the arbitrator on a pre commitment call, which means it's a free call and you're not by that stage uh, signed up and bound by arbitration. And perhaps scope out the arbitration, what the issues in dispute um, are likely to be, what the potential timetable could be, and also how much it would cost. And there are, there are some limits on financial arbitration, aren't there? Um, what, what, what are the, um, the cases that aren't suitable for fi- arbitration from a financial perspective? I think they're pretty limited, I mean, mainly to do with the status of the parties. The divorce itself can't be adjudicated in arbitration. Also, third party interests, whether that's insolvency or trustees, unless the third party is prepared to commit and agree to be party to the arbitration and join the whole procedure, sign the um, form, ARB1, FS, etc., but they're the only real limits, I suppose, within a case, things like injunctions can't be undertaken by arbitration. But I would urge everyone to look at the IFLA rules on the website and see actually the wide range of potential cases that can be dealt with in arbitration.
1: And if for whatever reason you you didn't think the case was ready to go straight to arbitration, um, there, are, there are other me- methods we could use, aren't there? There's... Um hybrid arbitration, and there's also private FDRs?
0: So there's mediation, which I think most of our um, listeners will know about on a family law basis. um, Basically, that is when the solicitors generally don't participate actually in the mediation, it's just the clients generally an hour and a half for the um, mediation sessions. Uh, but hybrid mediation is often f- potentially for a full day and where the solicitors are present, and the mediator often in that situation shuttles between the two rules. So different types of mediation, and I think it's important to work out for you, for your clients, what is appropriate in the circumstances. Um, Katie, I-, I wondered if you wanted to say a few words about um early neutral evaluation and private FDRs and how they can work. And then perhaps we can both talk about how we're embracing these things virtually, not necessarily face-to-face.
1: Yes, excellent. Um, Quite often I find that we are going to litigation uh, to a final hearing because we are apart on vast points of principle. And this applies to whether it's children or whether it applies to finances. Uh, If it was children, for example... Um, one parent could have an absolute view on overnight contact only starting when the child is three Um, similarly um, on finances somebody could have an absolute view about whether the family home is sold or not private FDRs and early neutral evaluations are quite helpful at limiting the issues not the whole thing Uh, obviously they can at some point but they can be very useful at just drilling down to the dispute to a few key principles. And if, for example, on that house, the sale of the house, it can be shown that it's not practical because it can't meet the needs for the next three, four years while the children are at school, that can enable both parties to think about what other solutions they can have. And if, if it means it can't resolve the whole case in the uh, meeting itself, it can at least mean that you're having a A final hearing, whether that's arbitration or a contested hearing, on those smaller issues rather than starting the whole proceedings with no agreement as to the schedule of assets, no agreement uh, as to premarital contribution and the relevance, no agreement as to whether the parent is able to have an unsupervised contact. And similarly to um, choosing your arbitrator, the, the key thing with a private FDR or an early neutral evaluation is choosing your, the, the person who's going to give you that indication. Um, occasionally, if you're in court, you can have a judge who doesn't have experience in your type of case, and they might tell you, for example, that they're um, a barrister with a care practice, and you're asking them to determine financial issues just as with an arbitrator you can choose who your judges in a private fdr or early neutral evaluation you can choose who who which person you go and see have a look at their biography and have some comfort that when they say to you in their experience they would determine the issue this way you can be fairly assured that that's generally the way that people at the top of their game the judges of a certain calibre will be thinking about that. And I think it's very important for clients to feel that they've had a fair hearing and they've had someone who knows what they're talking about giving them a steer.
0: So in these times when it's quite hard to get access to the courts, there really is quite a lot out there for clients to think about, to choose from and to be guided by their solicitors as to which the uh, potential procedure is is best for them. and also. as we've seen, we've all been able to sort of move quite quickly to virtual platforms. And although in an ideal world, I suppose it would be the best, the optimum, if we were able to, to be in the same room discussing these things or having arbitrations, mediations, etc. In this world at the moment, we can't. But all of these types of proceedings really lend themselves to virtual uh, remote hearings, whether that be via Skype or Zoom or any number of other platforms that are out there. And I suppose, as always, as long as the um, adjudicators or the facilitators set out very clear guidelines and are able to work the technology well, then at least for now, that's a really, really good way of dealing with the number of urgent situations that are arising and helping people at this very difficult time. Do you agree?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um,
0: most firms and
1: chambers have had some form of remote working in place already. If they have an international uh, client list or and they have people dialing in for experts or even client calls, a lot of barrister's chambers already have video conferencing suites available. So they're already way ahead of the courtrooms who, you know, frankly, sometimes can't even get their uh, transcription service to work because of their resources. And so why not? Why don't we try and use all the facilities that are already available? Um, the AV suites that the barrister's chambers have are very high tech and they're all more than willing to help. And as Suzanne says, it's not going to be as good in some cases to -to face-to-face hearings, but if our choice is no face-to-face hearings for three or four months and nothing happening, or a video conference suite where people can interact in real time and see each other's faces, then I think that has to be a a sensible solution.
0: I agree, and also the other thing is that how well, we're getting to grips with all of this. I mean, I have worked from home on and off over the years. But this is a total game changer, as far as I'm concerned, doing so much by um, video conference call, and you really get used to it. And something that I think will stick with us into the future. So this may have meant quite a seismic change in how we work going forward.
1: Yes, absolutely. My firm has been doing flexible working since I set it up in 15 years ago. Um, We weren't wholly paperless until January this year. Um, But and so when this has happened, we've been able to accommodate it quite quickly. Um, There are lots of reasons to be paperless. It's environmentally friendly. It's more efficient for your case management systems. Um, And if these disciplines start becoming more and more important as we're all remote working and and the discipline of having the current draft available in an accessible place for everybody, this, this
0: has to be a good thing, doesn't it? Absolutely, so although we are facing unprecedented times, there are some positives, there's some new ways of working. It's been great talking to you today, Katie, and I suppose just to say for both of us, we'd be very happy to answer any queries um, that anybody has. So, um, Katie, do you want to say your email address?
1: Yeah, my email address is kmr at radensolicitors.co.uk.
0: And I'm Suzanne Kingston at suzanne.kingston at mills-reeve.com. So any queries, please feel free to raise. And in the meantime, everybody stay safe and well. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.